This is the message from Connection Community Church for this Sunday, June 10th, 2012. Exiled. Ezekiel. The early part of the 6th century BC saw great upheaval in the Middle East. In the midst of this, the military forces of Babylon's King Nebuchadnezzar subdued Jerusalem in 597 and exiled 10,000 of the best and brightest to Babylon. The exile continued until July of 586, when the walls of Jerusalem were breached and the city was plundered. On August 14, 586 BC, the city and temple were destroyed by fire. Among those exiled were the prophets Ezekiel, Daniel, and Jeremiah. Over the next three weeks, we'll explore some of their stories and what they have to say to us today. This morning, our focus is on Ezekiel. Good morning again, Connection Church. We are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We invite you to pray with us now. Almighty God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your grace that covers us, your grace that never lets us go. Thank you that you walk with us at all times and all places. Mighty God, open up our hearts so that we might hear your word found in scripture so that we might be able to apply it to our lives so that we might be changed and transformed by your love. We pray this in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of Connection Church said, Amen. Amen. So Ezekiel, according to the NIV Study Bible, Ezekiel was taken captive and exiled to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar's troops in the first wave of those being exiled back in 597 B.C. As he shares in the beginning of the Bible book that bears his name, Ezekiel received the call to be one of God's prophets, one of God's mouthpieces, one of those who God speaks through to the people. He got that call from God while he was in exile in Babylon. He he was married. He, he lived in a house of his own. And along with the other exiles, he lived a relatively free existence, even though he was being held captive 500 miles from his home. The Faith in Action uh, Study Bible tells us that he addressed his words of prophecy to his fellow Israelites who were also living in exile. Initially, he, uh, God used him to warn them of coming judgment. The people of Israel had been far, far from God, and this was punishment where uh, eventually not only were the people exiled, but Jerusalem was, uh, was plundered and then burned, and it was just devastated. Initially, he wrote to warn them of this judgment, the fall and the uh, destruction of Jerusalem, but later on in his writing, God used him to offer encouragement that even though the people were exiled and away from the homeland, God offered them encouragement with promises of God's mercy and of coming restoration, which actually took place in 538 when the Persians defeated the Babylonians. And King Cyrus, who, who wasn't even a God follower, God used King Cyrus to allow the Jews not only to return home, but uh, help them uh, with money and with uh, uh, stuff to rebuild the temple that had been destroyed years before. 
And so Ezekiel the prophet brings the word of God to the people of Israel living in exile in Babylon. Listen to Ezekiel 33. Son of man, speak to Israel. Tell them, you've said, our rebellions and sins are weighing us down. We're wasting away. How can we go on living? Tell them, as sure as I am the living God, I take no pleasure from the death of the wicked. I want the wicked to change their ways and live. Turn your life around. Reverse your evil ways. Why die, Israel? I love this scripture. And here's why. It lets us know that no matter how far the people have drifted from God, no matter how rebellious and sinful they've become, destroying the people is not God's desire. It's not what brings God pleasure. Allowing the people to be exiled to Babylon while, while punitive, while God was trying to, to punish them, it was also intended as a wake-up call. It's intended to get their attention, hopefully to get them to change, because that is what God desires. Not the death of the people, but that the people would change, that they would turn, that they would reverse their evil ways. You know, we read in Scripture often that word repent. Repent. And that's literally what repent means, to turn, to go in a new direction. That's what God's telling the people through the prophet Ezekiel. God doesn't desire the death of his people, but he wants new life. New life. A life different from the one <coughs> excuse me, they've been leading. He wants them to go in a new direction. Later... In chapter 34, God again speaks through the prophet as he shares the word with the religious leaders, the religious leaders of this exiled community. And he calls them the shepherds. They're called shepherds. And he tells them that they have not done what they were supposed to do as shepherds, that they have taken care of themselves instead of their flock. Here's what we read in chapter 34 of Ezekiel. Yeah, God speaks through Ezekiel, and this is what comes out. God's message came to me, Ezekiel says. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherd leaders of Israel. Yes, prophesy. Tell those shepherds, God, the master says, doom to you shepherds of Israel, feeding your own mouths. Aren't shepherds supposed to feed sheep? You drink the milk. You make clothes from the wool. You roast the lambs. But you don't feed the sheep. You don't build up the weak ones. You don't heal the sick. Don't doctor the injured. Don't go after the strays. Don't look for the lost. You bully and badger them. And now they're scattered every which way because there was no shepherd. Scattered and easy pickings for wolves and coyotes. Scattered, my sheep. Exposed and vulnerable across mountains and hills. My sheep. Scattered all over the world and no one out looking for them. Ouch. That's a pretty scathing word, isn't it? Yeah, the ones who should have been leading the people, the ones who should have been caring for the people, have been doing anything but. They have been taking care of themselves. They were me-centered. And the thing is, God does not like that. God does not like that one bit. God never likes it when we allow ourselves to be the center of the universe. Because when we read through scripture, we see that God is always looking out 
for those in the margins, those who are um, not cared for, the weak and the lost and the injured, for those who can't take care of themselves. And in this particular community that Ezekiel is talking to, God is not happy because the shepherds were not caring for their sheep, their flock. And so then God continues to speak through the prophet as we read on, saying that he's going to hold the shepherds accountable for his flock, and and he's going to fire them. And then God says he will rescue the sheep from the shepherds. Here's what the Bible says. God, the master, says, from now on, I myself am the shepherd. I'm going looking for them. As shepherds go after their flocks when they get scattered, I'm going after my sheep. I'll rescue them from all the places they've been scattered to in the storms. I'll bring them back from foreign peoples, gather them from foreign countries, and bring them back to their home country. I'll feed them on the mountains of Israel, along the streams, among their own people. I'll lead them into lush pasture so they can roam the mountain pastures of Israel, graze at leisure, feed in the rich pastures on the mountains of Israel. And I myself will be shepherd of my sheep. I myself will make sure they get plenty of rest. Say the rest with me. I'll go after the lost. I'll collect the strays. I'll doctor the injured. I'll build up the weak ones and oversee the strong ones so they are not exploited. Again, pretty tough message, huh? As God continues to speak to the people through his prophet Ezekiel. And again, we're given insight into the very heart of God. And what we see is that God cares for all of God's people, and especially those who cannot care for themselves. And God cares so much that God will go after the ones who are lost, go after the ones who've been scattered, go after the ones who have strayed. And God will bring them home. God will be the shepherd building up the weak, as well as the one overseeing the strong, because God cares. God cares. So we have to ask, so what? Here we have this word found in Ezekiel. I I would guess that Ezekiel is not maybe the first place you turn in your Bible. Ezekiel in the Old Testament, the prophet, you know, it's, it's tough stuff sometimes to read. What does this story in Ezekiel, this story from hundreds of years before the coming of Christ, have to do with us right here today in Middletown, Delaware, in 2012. Well, it has a lot. It has a lot to say to us today. First of all, the first part of the story is an assurance for each one of us. An assurance that, contrary to what a lot of people think, God desires for all of us to be with him. That God does not want to harm or destroy or kill anybody. God is a God of love. God wants all of us to be in relationship with God. There was that scripture that we read in in um, 33, Ezekiel 33. Uh, oh, golly days, where is it? Okay. I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. You see, God wants all of us to repent, to turn 
toward God. So that is such good news in each one of our lives. God pursues us and woos us and will never let us go, no matter where we've gone, no matter what we've done. God does not want to lose us. God cares. That being said, though, God still holds us accountable. Even though God desires that all will be saved, that won't necessarily happen depending on our choices. Holds us accountable for actions, and when we sin, now sin is when we separate from God, when we do things that separate us from God and God's will, when we separate us from one another. When we sin, we turn from God. God cannot ignore that. God cannot ignore sin. Why don't you just, why doesn't God just forget it? Because God's nature, God can't. There's a lot of things, there's a book called Things God Can't Do. God can't not love you. (laughs) God can't ignore our sin. It's an impossibility. God cannot overlook it. And the challenge is this. He can't overlook it, and we can't avoid being sinful. If we re- as we read in Romans, all, all have sinned and turned from the glory of God. No one <laughs> is exempt. We are all in need of God's saving grace. We are all in need of a Savior. And so, looking at the second part, of today's lesson, we meet the shepherds, the spiritual leaders, and they weren't doing what they were supposed to do. They weren't shepherding their flock. They weren't shepherding the people, but they were looking out for themselves. And God does not like that. You know, we're all exiled. We all feel separated at times from God. You know, we go through challenges and ups and downs, and God just wants God's people to reach out as shepherds and care. We see this, how God cares for the least, the last, and the lost from the very beginning of the Bible until the very end of the Bible. In Genesis We find Adam and Eve, and they they sinned. They ate of the forbidden fruit, and then they realized they were naked. That meant they realized, you know, they they were sinful, and God loved them and had compassion and clothed them. That really was an act of mercy and love. And then we go all the way to the end of the Bible, and in Revelation, and we're told that Jesus knocks, knocks on the door, knocks on each one of the doors of our hearts, and says, just let me in. Just let me in. Let me share a meal with you. God reaches out and pulls each one of us when we're far from God in our time of weakness, in our time of strength, during the time of challenge and during the time of triumph. God desires a relationship with all of God's people. All, but especially he has a place for those in need for those who are hurting, for those who are lonely, for those who are in exile. So much so that when the shepherds weren't caring for the flock, God says, I'm going to fire you, and I'm going to take over. God says, he'll look after the scattered sheep. 
that God will rescue them, that God will bring them home. And God did exactly what God said. Because, again, that's God's nature. God does what God says God will do. And God did care for his sheep, cared so much that he, um, he took on human form in the person of Jesus the Christ and came to earth and cared for the flock. That would be you and me. We're the flock. In fact, in the book of John, Jesus refers to himself as the good shepherd. And he says the good shepherd comes to give life so that we might have it to the fullest. And he gives some attributes of a good shepherd. And he says a good shepherd is one who will lay down his very life for the sheep. And Jesus is the good shepherd again because Jesus did lay his life down for the sheep, didn't he? He laid his life down for the sheep. You know, as we said, God cannot ignore sin. And that's a challenge for us because we can't do enough to pay the price for our sin. The price is too great. We can't possibly pay it. And so Jesus did. He paid the price for that sin through the sacrifice of his perfect life. Remember in the Old Testament, they had an unblemished sacrifice. Well, Jesus is the ultimate unblemished sacrifice for your sin and for mine. He paid our sins with his life. And God desires then that none would be lost, that all would be saved, to the point where he offered his son sacrificially on the cross so that if we turn to him, if we repent literally and turn to him, we might realize salvation. And so we come full circle because when Jesus died and rose and sits at the right hand of God the Father, the ministry is left with us. The ministry is left in, in our hands. You know, he told, he told Peter, feed my sheep, and he says that to us as well. You and I, we are called to shepherd sheep. Now, Alan and I and Lori, we're shepherds of, of this flock, but each one of us are called to be a shepherd of others. What does that look like for you? Shepherding those who are hurting, who are lost, who feel like nothing, who feel like they don't matter. Who are they in your life? Reaching out to a lost and lonely world Reaching out is what Christ calls us to do. So, um, so, so the question then would be, who is it that God's calling you to shepherd? Not next year, not next month, not next week, but today. Who is it that you're called to, to reach out to? Somebody may be lost, somebody far from God. Um, tell you what, do me a favor, pull out your phone. This would be fun for you to tell somebody at work at church. In the middle of the message, they told me to pull out my phone. That'll be fun for you. Pull out your phone. Alan, a lot one. of them already have them out. I know. We're just legitimizing what you're already doing. That's okay. If you got your phone, pull it out, really. Let me see them. Wave them around. Okay, cool. Now, what I want you to do is go to your contact list. Now, if you don't have your phone, I want you to mentally go to your contact list. You with me? We all got a contact list. Some of it's going to be a little easier because it's right there. 
And then, and for the rest of this message, message and while we're singing all, I want you to be thumbing through your con in church, yeah, in church, thumbing through your con or mentally thumbing through your contact list because there's somebody in there that needs you to contact them. And maybe it's right now you find somebody, okay, and we, you might need to text them and just say, I'm in church, wish you were here. I was thinking about you, wish you were here. That'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? In fact, if somebody, like, texted you while you were here this morning, text them back and say, I, I can't talk right now, I'm in church, but I was thinking about you, wish you were here. That'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? And so either right now before you leave or maybe later today or uh, pray about who is it, God, that you want me to contact on my contact list. You can come here, put here on the steps, open yourself, put your cell phone out there and thumb through it. God, tell me who I'm supposed to contact. And maybe it's before you even leave here today. I just needed to let you know I wish you were here. There's somebody God wants you to shepherd. This is a good first step. Pray about it. Pray about it here. Pray that God will give you the courage to do it, because this person might be far, far from God. And they might think that you're nuts. Of course, they thought Ezekiel was nuts. He, he was kind of crazy. You read that book, it was kind of out there. <laughs> uh, that's okay. God loves it when we're nuts for him. So I want you to and pray uh, during this last song. Pray and come up to the steps in your seat on your knees, wherever you are, pray, God, who do you want me to contact? Who do you want me to contact? Who do you want me to contact? And what do you want me to say? What do you want me? And it can be a real simple message. <laughs> In church, having a great time. Wish you were here. <laughs> Just like a vacation note, you know? We're all being called. The question is, are you going to answer the call to make the call? Text, email, twit, tweet. Whatever you do, whatever that tweety thing is. Uh, Twitter, Alan, Twitter. Twitter, whatever. Twitter. In fact, I think I'll send one right now. I'm going to learn this week how to Twitter. Barry's, Barry's going to teach me how to, how, to be a twi- how to tweet this week. Yeah. Huh? Huh? Pray for, pray for both of us. And maybe it's just the old-fashioned phone call. Maybe you just make a call. The question is, uh, God's calling on us to, uh, he's given us the call to make the call. Will you answer that call? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Holy God, wow, what a great message through your servant Ezekiel. You're the great shepherd through your son Jesus, and now you've called us to shepherd. I, I pray that you would give us courage, give us strength, give us whatever it takes to make that call, to do that tweet, to do that email, to do that text, whatever it is, to get in touch with someone to say who you are, our relationship with you, and maybe open the door that they would have a relationship with you as well. Please give us that strength and courage. In Christ's name and in your Holy Spirit and all Connection Church said, Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers.